Good morning, everyone. Uh, happy Saturday, and welcome to another episode of uh, House Call. Uh, we have a very special episode for you and a special guest for you today. Uh, we have Denise McAllister, which I'm going to bring her live in a couple of minutes. Uh, as you know, uh, the, the country is going through a very difficult hardship. Um, we are, to some extent, at every topic, we're polarized, but today's program is not about politics. As a director of men's health and someone who has been dealing with issues of men, and of course, the direction has always been uh, with women, I wanted to bring a special guest who has written a great book, something called What Men Want to Say to Women But Can't. And I love the topic. I love the book. And uh, I'd like to introduce Denise. Maybe we can bring her to the program and, and officially introduce her. Um, she is a celebrity journalist. Is Denise coming uh, live? So good morning. Good morning. It's great well, to be here. Thank you for being with us on this Saturday. Um, I love your book, What Men Want to Say to Women But Can't. And it's a special to topic and title, something that, you know, as a director of men's health, uh, as you know, for years, I've been talk dealing with men's issues. And of course, it's always been the audience has been the women, things that we want them to know and vice versa and this communication. But before we talk about your book, I want to introduce you to the public. A lot of people already know you as a celebrity ghostwriter. I know you've been on TV on many different networks, but as a, a journalist, you have written many books, especially this one and another co-authored. Another New York Times bestseller, Spygate. You've been on BBC, Fox News, Blaze TV, and, and many other channels. Uh, journalism, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And the main gist of this book uh, is really communication, uh, not just physical aspect of, of sex and love, but also the relationship, the psychological aspect, the emotional aspect. And this is a very good timing because I correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're describing the family as man and woman uh, as a building block, and you build up culture, and from culture you go to the actual society. So mm -hmm. the the statement that caught my attention is conflict has reached very at the highest peak. Politicians have we think they may have the solutions. But really, the politics could not be fixed if the culture is ignored, because politics is downstream from the culture. But you're basically taking this to the next level. And what you're saying is that the culture really starts from the relationship and the family and the way to fix the society, which is we absolutely need this today with everything that's going on out there. We need to focus on the family and relationship and our culture and the conversation between men and women, and there's a lot of things that women may or may not be able to understand or get. So you're advocating men, and uh, I welcome you to our program. I want you to be comfortable and open and talk about all the things you have in your book. So congratulations on the success that you've had, and welcome again. No, oh, thank you. It is such an important topic. You know, we're we're experiencing so much conflict now, and people are often looking to politics as a solution. And really, it's not. That's not where we find the solutions to the conflicts, many of the conflicts that we have today. And the family, like you said, is important and foundational relationship, not only just the family, but of society itself, is that between men and women. 
And if we have brokenness there, if we have misunderstanding there, if we don't have trust there, it's going to bleed into every other aspect of society. And, and that's not just our physical bodies and, and understanding our health, but it's also understanding the psychology, like you said, the emotions, the relationships. And I think in marriages, we have a lot of conflict between men and women understanding each other, and especially what my book is about is women understanding men. And, um, and also in general, in society in general, men um, being misunderstood, I think, a lot in, in general in society and women, you know, categorizing them as toxic or, you know, selfish and, and privileged and patriarchal. And I, I think that these kind of labels are hurting us. And I think that we need to develop better understanding as women about men. Yeah. So what you what you said in your book is that men are tired of being dumped on. They have a lot to say to women about sex, equality, um, but they just can't. And the war on men has disrupted relationship and caused men to question their place in American society. First of all, I want I'm very curious to see how you started and thought about putting this together and putting this book. What was the reason behind it and how did you get to that point? Well, I've been watching as a journalist, been writing a lot about uh, relationships and about you know, feminism and the way it's impacted um, America, about masculinity in America. And so I've observed this through many, many years of writing about it and just the heightened conflict between men and women today. And I really when I was watching the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, you know, I saw a lot of just hatred being poured out toward men in general. Uh, you know, we could talk about the legal aspect of due process and all that, but I, I focus more on the relational aspect and men being not able to really speak uh, and and defend themselves and speak for themselves. Uh, and often I will come out and try to explain to women, men, and I'll get inevitably from men, thank you for saying what we can't say. And, you know, things like with sex, you know, when a man is attracted to a woman, there's such natural attractions. And, uh, you know, this dance that we have between the masculine and feminine and um, the desire that men have for women, that this is not to be threatening. You know, it shouldn't be categorized as toxic or looked at as suspicious. I mean, even a man's strength. You know, men yeah. are stronger than women. This is a physical reality. We should celebrate this in, in not categorize them and push them off as if they're dangerous, innately dangerous. I mean, they are dangerous. Men are strong, but they're not innately a threat if, if you get the difference there. And, and we really need to honor that and, and celebrate it. And I think that that will improve men's health, men's outlook, men's self-esteem, and then the relationships uh, will build more trust when we understand them. Uh, Denise, a few years ago, a few decades ago, when um, I watched my parents and there was a mutual respect without having all these borders. There were not a lot of territorial, this is my zone, this is your zone. This is what I do as a woman. This is what you do. And if you cross it, um, then all of a sudden we have a sexist movement going on or it turns out to be a big fiasco and, and uh, Me Too movement, etc. And I'm not downgrading any of this. And I'm sure there are times that maybe men will cross the line. and But the, the nerves and the sensitivity that goes to every little thing that goes on, even as doctors and surgeons, I remember when I was a student or resident, I watched, you know, many urologists, surgeons, and they were just having a great time with their nurses. You know, they nobody crossed the line. We were able to joke around. You know, it's a urology field. So we were 
talking about whatever we talk about, and everyone laughed about it. Uh, today, if you talk about the same jokes, all of a sudden you, you will be on the cover of some magazine or newspapers and you're done, you're finished. Where, how did this start? Where did this movement come from and why is this? And I don't think it's really healthy because everybody is, is afraid to even give a hug or a handshake or, or whatever, and, and it's, it's gone too far in my opinion. What do you think? Well, you can't have a healthy society when you have such distrust. And, and, you know, you need a kind of uh, mutual affection, as they say about society, uh, where you have a freedom with each other in relationships. And if you don't have that, you're going to have an unhealthy society. I think it's developed through many, many years of, I really do think it has been a distortion of the feminist movement has played a big part. And I'm not talking about original feminism, which is very good about women's rights, you know, and women to be honored and respected in society. I'm talking about this kind of equality of outcomes driven feminism that has pit pitched men against women and women against men where it's all about competition. And so men are seen as the threat. And the problem is, is that when we developed real equality in our society, we came into the realm of competition naturally in the workplace. And, but women in the feminist movement didn't want to just compete. They wanted equal outcomes. They wanted equality of results. And when they haven't been getting that, it must be men's fault. So this generated a distrust of men and they must be up to something or there's unfairness. There's, if there's disparity of outcomes, it must be because they're misogynist or they're doing something to women. It couldn't possibly be because women are making different choices. So I think this has bred a lot of uh, a distrust and it's just blossomed and gotten worse and festered to the point that we're afraid to speak to each other. We can't be natural with each other. We, like I said, we categorize each other and especially this attack on men that I'm seeing. And this is why I've written this book is I, as a defense of men. Not that every man's perfect. You know, we know that men do wrong things. I, I write about of that. Course. Uh, but I, I want to focus on the good. You know, I want to focus on what the gloriousness that a man is and his full masculinity and that we don't need to be afraid of it, that we can lean on it. We don't have to compete with it all the time. We're going to be different. We're going to have different outcomes in the workplace. Fathers have different roles than mothers in the home. Let's honor that and respect that. Men engage in sexuality differently than women. Let's celebrate that and enjoy it instead of being afraid of it. That's so true. And I absolutely respect that. And I think that there are things that women can do that men are absolutely not capable of and vice versa. We're just totally different. And it's fascinating because years and years ago, I read this book about men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Mm -hmm. And the fact that our brain system and the way we think is completely different. I've spoken about this. And in fact, I'm writing a book, which you, hopefully you will, you will see it very soon. Every little details about the way we go shopping. You know, when I go shopping, I love to go and get that shirt and tie immediately in the first 15 minutes. But women are going through the aisles and they try for six hours and who knows whether they're going to buy something or not. Our brain is completely wired differently. Um, and when it comes even in healthcare, I've spoken about the fact that women are so detail oriented. They do all the, ask all the questions. They have more details and men were just problem solvers. We want to go after the solution and get it done. And I'm sure that you, you've seen that in your research that you've done. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, these differences are what make life interesting. It's what makes life successful. Uh, and we need to honor them. And this androgyny that we're being pushed toward, that we all need to be the same, isn't healthy. It, it breeds conflict and distrust and tears people down, makes them doubt who they are and not even know themselves. I mean, even in the area, like I mentioned, of competition, men compete differently than women. Uh, and, and you find that when you get into the workplace, uh, women engage in work in a different way. And I think that they don't even understand themselves in the workplace and even how they compete against other women. And you know, women are very different in how they approach competition and, you know, how they, they communicate, how, how they engage in, in sexual relationships. All of this is very different. And because of the differences, you're going to have different outcomes. So if you're forcing same outcomes, you're going to rob people of their sexuality, of their masculinity and femininity, and really of the humanity. So which one is worse? Uh, <laughs> women <laughs> with men or women against women and the <laughs> relationships? Women could be very aggressive too, right? There is no sisterhood. I mean, don't, don't <laughs> <laughs> especially at work, I've seen that. Uh, and, and especially like in the practice, sometimes you see women compete for the same job or position and they could be very aggressive. Oh, it's ugly. And when people really respond to my chapter about women in the workplace, uh, they, they find that to be a really enjoyable chapter because I'm very honest about how women act. And of course, we're talking about generalizations here. You always are in this kind of thing, but but they're true nonetheless um, in their generalization. Women can, are a lot more hostile and competing with other women than they are even men. So they're competing with men for the equal outcomes and that causes conflict in the, in the workplace, but also just women between themselves. Uh, you know, uh, they compete because women internalize competition. So it's not only just the task that's being dealt with and in the performance, but they're tied up in it emotionally and, and their self-image is very much tied up in their competition. So, uh, you know, when they lose, it's not just a task-oriented losing. It's a full-bodied, full experience, almost rejection of self kind of thing, whereas men are a little bit more objective. And that's not a bad, that's not saying anything bad about women. There's a very good reason, a natural reason for that, you know, that even evolutionary psychologists talk about, you know, it's women attract the men. It's part of our society. It's about what we bring in our full presence as, as women into, into uh, relationships and into everything that we do, whereas men are more task oriented. And, and so we don't divorce ourselves from that. And, and no matter how much we want to say we're these modern, you know, androgynous drones, we're not, we're still women. And we need to understand ourselves of that, as that and how I we love affect that. men, how we affect men in the workplace and how we can drive them crazy in the workplace. I love <laughs> that because you, you're bringing up such a strong point because I remember that, you know, my mom in, in all the years, I think they're married for 50 years, always made my dad so special and lifted up that masculinity. And it wasn't a negative thing. It was like we looked at my dad as like a real powerful man who is, uh, you know, running the family and, and always uh, took care of the family. And my mom, as someone who was uh, our mom, took care of everybody and, and mutual respect and nurtured all of us. And we learned so much. And I'm very fortunate to have a similar relationship about my wife. There are things that she does that I can never deal with. And it's not part of me as much as I want to do. And there are things that I do that she just cannot get to it. And that's why marriage is, is that relationship is very important. We don't need to be 
competing with each other all the time. And, and, and your point is well taken. You have a chapter here, chapter four, men as magician in quote, women are so bitchy. Um, <laughs> tell me about this a little bit. The, you know, I, I, it's, it's very interesting. Well, it, that's the chapter about the workplace and women in the professional environment, generally speaking. And uh, one thing I do in, in my chapters is I talk about what men want to say to women. You know, like if you're going to fight for equality and you want to be treated equally in the workplace, you better be able to handle being treated equally in the workplace. Right. And, uh, you know, and just pointing out how women are different and also an understanding of how men are about when it comes to work. You know, let me let me mention about men first and men when they approach work in a healthy way. It is truly a wonder to behold a man seeking out his expertise, figuring out a task, exploring something, developing, you know, an, ex an expert way of engaging in whatever work that he's doing. He is a conqueror and work is like a conquering thing for him. Men, it's very much a creative exercise. Women need to understand whether you're having babies or not, we have the power within ourselves to create within ourselves. This is ingrained in our very being. Men don't have that ability. That's All true. the creativity that men do comes from the external, from them taking the world around them and conquering it and creating it and nurturing it and cultivating it. Women can do that too. But women also have the added ability to do it within themselves in a very powerful way. Um, and so it's it's this instinctive almost drive that they have. And so let men flourish, let men fly, let men really enjoy their work and in the way that they do it. Don't try to feminize them in the way that a woman would do it. You know, enjoy how that they do it in their way of creativity. Women, you know, can do those things as well. But women in the workplace, you're a lot more emotional, a lot more. And they are. I'm sorry, ladies, we are. Um, we're a lot more relational and our competition is a lot more personal. And, and we need to really recognize that and not dump that onto the men in the workplace. Don't demand that men behave like women with all the meetings that they do and all the talkie talkie and all the relational stuff. Let them do their task. Let them be the magicians that they are in the workplace and the magical creatures that they truly are. It's a, a very strong point, and I hope more people would listen to what you're saying because that's absolutely true. And when men are satisfied and they're happy with the relationship, they can conquer more and they would be more successful at work because that 12-hour work, when you're constantly happy, it will go by so quick. When they're not happy in the relationship and they're not doing well and their bedroom, if the bedroom is not happy, forget about it. They're not, everything is connected. And, and this is like where men's health kicks in. People think that they come to me because of some prostate exam or prostate health, but a lot of psychological issues can turn into their urinary problems and uh, body pains and fatigue. And, and it's all the psycho psychology and the health and emotion and physique is all involved. Let's go to the bedroom. What do you think about this? And the old like sex that people wanted to hear. What's the key and secret to a successful bedroom relationship, sexual activities and, and put it out there because everybody has emailed me and asked so many questions about this. I think that what's primary in talking about sex is understanding and respecting the differences there as well. And understanding that men do not engage in sex the same way as men, and that's okay as women, and that's okay. Don't try to feminize your man in the bedroom. He's not going to want to do a lot of talking. Sometimes he just wants to have sex. 
And that doesn't mean he's being selfish. It doesn't mean he's being emotionally disconnected. And again, I'm talking about healthy relationships here. I'm not talking about abusive, narcissistic people. Of course. I'm assuming you're loving each other in this healthy relationship. Men just, that's how they have their release. That is how they connect with you. When he, They want to be with you body and soul. They want to connect with you physically. And in that connection is where they find that emotional connection. And that comes after women need that emotional connection more up front. And, and so they, they want it cultivated and it's all more present for them as far as the emotions go. But it's not that way for men. And that doesn't mean, and I think women too often try to get the men to act like women and give me all the flowers and talk to me and do all this before you have sex with me. It's almost like men have to earn the right to have sex with their wives and and, and go through all these hoops. Don't. I mean, sometimes a man just comes home from work. He's tired. He needs that emotional connection. It is such a great release for him. You're tired too. Yeah. You've either been working or you've been taking care of the kids all day. You don't really feel like it either. You don't feel like it. He does. Um, have sex with him. You know, don't make him earn it. I mean, it, you love the man, right? And so it, you love him with your body as well as your heart and your souls all together. Give him what he needs and you will find a happier man who later will talk to you more and have that emotional connection. Just see it through a different light. Through, see it through his perspective a little bit more and stop feminizing men. You know, and, and then, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, they get into positions and all these technical things about sex. All of that really is secondary. It all falls in line when you get the first going, when you get the it's love. We engage differently, but we're here to be together, to be united, you know, body and emotions. But it, it all comes in different ways and in different ways with men and women. But the goal is the same to love each other and to connect in that way and just understand how he connects. And he needs that. Men need that emotional release very much. It, it, it's so it's so important because my phone is is going crazy, and uh, I think I got like thirty texts saying like you know have her give a prescription. They want to share it with their wives, and uh, I think that's a very powerful. <laughs> Just have sex with them. Don't complain about it. I mean, even when you, women get so offended when I say this, have sex with them even if you don't feel like it, and they get so. Well, offended. But do it. I mean, you love him, right? Again, we're, we're that's the baseline we're working here from. Don't be selfish. Just have have, have just have sex with him. Let's well, that's a very powerful message because I think you know I agree with you that I think that women are more emotional, and uh, you know the foreplay and the flowers and the chocolate and uh, more uh, uh, touching and feeling is is that what they want and what turns them on. But men sometimes, as you said, the, the release and the release of hormones and the, the, the histamines and serotonin and the, the, the happy part of the reward of the brain kicks in and uh, they need it. And, and I don't know if it's true or not, but maybe their men are more physical than emotional, but, but especially when they are super tired and they're emotionally down, this would be a very good therapy for them. And, um, I agree with you. I think that's a very s strong message that you're uh, sending to women out there. I hope they listen. <laughs> yeah, when you're going to bed at night, it's the last time that men, they don't want to lay down on the pillow and start having a conversation. They just don't. Don't bring up conflicts of the day. Don't. That's not the time to have talks. <laughs> it's not the time to deal about the kids. It's time to be physical. It's time to go to sleep and deal with those physical needs, which are manifest 
emotional. It's all there. But up front with men is just that physical connection and they, they really need it. And we, you know, if we love them, give it to them and you will reap the rewards later. They will, they will do the talking. They will do the flowers. They will do that. They'll be more apt to that, but they need that, that physical release. So uh, somebody just texts me and is asking me, you know, ask her, um, this person's wife is, is, uh, handling some of the conflicts with silent treat and she shuts down and she doesn't talk for a few minutes to hours. And the poor guy is always waiting for that to be fixed until like, she, he can have relationship. Um, what's the message to his wife and what is she doing wrong and how can they improve their relationship? Never, ever use sex as a weapon, as a punishment by withdrawing or anything of the sort. That is not appropriate to what the meaning and purpose of sex is. Sex is about companionship and, and love and about healing. If anything, when you're angry or when you're upset um, and you're tempted to withdraw that way, actually go in the opposite direction. Love, that, yeah. engage in the physical and then the emotional, and you'll find that the healing will come in the relationship over time with that. And, you know, again, I have to repeat, I'm not talking about abusive situations. I'm talking about healthy, just normal frustrations during the day. You know, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. He didn't take out the garbage or he isn't doing something. I'm not going to have sex with him tonight. You know, yeah, don't, don't, don't bring all the like, like issues of the day to the bedroom. I agree. That's a very good point. A sacred space that even your own troubles don't invade in. Don't use sex in, in intimacy as a weapon of any sort. Look at it as, as a pathway to healing, a pathway to connection. It's not about whether they deserve it or not. They already deserve it because you are married to the man. That is, and there's, and the, and there's nothing wrong with it. It brings a, the, the couple together, it makes them closer, it's healthier. And I've written and talked about the benefit of sex from cardiac standpoint, from physical standpoint, from emotionally and uh, psychology standpoint, what men want to say to women but can't. So here's the book, and I want everyone to look at this. And uh, there should be a copy of this in every house and every household, and we're going to put more of this information out there. A um, couple of hints that I want to ask you. People are out there, couples that have been married for 25, 30 years, 40 years. And, you know, over time, there could be a little bit of wear and tear. I don't know if that's the right term, but people get used to each other. Maybe the bedroom is not as good. What is some of the secrets or recipe that you have to spice up the relationship, to make it more exciting? Um, any hints? Well, I, I think it does. I mean, over time, familiarity, you know, breeds contempt and you get tired and you start straying. I mean, part of the the excitement about sex when you first get married, you know, is the novelty of it, the lack of familiarity of it. Uh, and I think when you continue to engage with each other and get to know each other daily as, uh, you know, talk, this is where talking really does help. Get to know what they're thinking, the new things. Get to know your spouse over and over again every day. 
we're, we're constantly changing as human beings. We're not stagnant. We're thinking new thoughts. We're learning new things. Share that with each other. And then you're getting to know that person all over again and break up the sexual, you know, take, go out on dates, flirt with each other. Flirting, flirting is so much is important. Also recognize that your, your sexual relationship will change. It will become different at different times, it ebbs and flows throughout your marriage and health plays a big part. Emotional states play a big part. Raising kids, being tired, all of that, you know, lower your expectations a little bit about the great excitement of it all. And, and remember, bring it down to what its purpose is, is about companionship. It's about loving. It's about connecting. It's about joining. And it's about the intimacy. And so cultivate that as a person, as the person that you're wanting to know in a whole new way. I mean, you can do fun things. I mean, you know, dress up differently. There's all kinds of different ways, everyone in different roles and whatever you feel comfortable with um, going out on dates and, and this kind of thing, uh, you know, making special times, not letting those dates go past, you know, without having them be intimate. These are all kinds of things that you can bring to your own personal relationship. But I think it's the frame of mind that has to be there first about the importance of the, of the sexual relationship and what it really is about and, and getting to know each other every day, all the time, and, and letting your bodies do that as well. Exploring each other and your newness of how you are, you know, as we age, that's hard to, to embrace, but do it. You know, you don't have to be 25 to enjoy your sex life. You know, you can you get to know each other and love each other and you find such comfort in that. There are so many great lessons we are learning from you. I'm fascinated by this topic and, and your book. And I have to tell you that there was a time 20 years ago when there were no treatment for sexual dysfunction, at least for men. Um, that disrupted a lot of the unity of the family and the bedroom was not so happy. And I think like, you know, and these medications like Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, these are not addictive. And I think it's when it's needed as urologists, we're absolutely uh, able to help men out there, brings the sexual function back. And if, at least from my standpoint, as uh, you know, I deal more with mechanical part of it and you deal more with the emotional aspect of this. There's no reason for them to give up on this. You know, men are living longer. Um, they, I think having sexual, healthy sexual relationship is absolutely uh, not only is healthy, but it's necessary. It helps a relationship in many different aspects. And if you are having some wear and tear from high blood pressure, diabetes, stress, whatever that's going on, uh, the big news is that we can help it and we can save it. And and you need to read her book and, and get your prescription and you're good to go. We only have, uh, believe it or not, three minutes left. It's amazing how half an hour uh, goes by. If people want to ask more questions. We're going to leave the lines open and I certainly will send you a lot of questions that will come. Um, give me one last tip to make our relationship stronger. We see um, kids are growing up with no father at home. We see moms are basically overburdened. We see a lot of pressure from politics, from the news, from this pandemic. There's so much going on. And of course that plays a role the people have been in their home for about three months. Um, they're devastated. What positive message can you give to women out there, to men out there? How can we lift up the mood a little bit? I have no question in my mind that the country will come back. You you know where I stand. I think America is a beautiful country. Um, they've been good to me and my family. I love to 
to see this country prosper, to be successful, to compete against the rest of the world. And we are so blessed to live in this country. What positive message you have for America, for women and men out there, and what to do to survive and get through the hardship? Well, like what we said at the beginning, relationships are key. If we want this country to be beautifully great, and if we want it to be everything that it is and maintain it, we have to maintain our relationships. And that means turning off the television. You know, instead of watching people having sex on television and all these programs that we watch, have sex with each other, Uh, especially don't watch porn and all that kind of stuff. I mean, focus on each other, develop the very real human relationships that we have. Don't, you know, politics are bad right now and the conflicts within society are bad right now. It doesn't mean that it has to be that way in your home. Uh, Turn that off and focus, you know, spend this time to really cultivate your relationship with each other, not as you want the other person to be, but in getting to know them as they are and loving them as they are. And in both of you doing it at the same time, using this time, you know, to get to know each other again, you know, and to love each other as you are, you know, not women making men out to be little women and not men expecting women to act like men or act like the ladies on television and, or look like the ladies on television, you know, Focus on each other and and see each other as you are and in your masculine femininity and in your individuality as you are and not comparing everyone to everyone else and love each other and and do that with your bodies, do it with your spirits, do it with your souls, do it with your emotions and your hearts. And that's not fuzzy wuzzy stuff here. This is hard work. It, It takes a lot of time. It takes commitment, but it's something that's so important for our families, for ourselves and for our nation. And I, I agree with you. It's a very strong message you're sending. And it's a, absolutely a great investment. The more you invest in your relationship, the more you put in, the more you get out. And when you make your men more powerful, you respect them, at the end of the day, it will come back to you a million times more. And that's what makes the relationship healthy. And it's all about respect, trust, and values, and family values. And your children also will learn from you and look up to you. And hopefully they will have like better relationship in the future. Denise, I really thank you for giving us your half an hour time. Um, I learned a lot from your book and, and I hope our listeners and audience certainly like I know they enjoyed the conversation. The name of the book is what men want to say to women, but can't. And I encourage people to uh, buy it and read it. And there's a lot to learn, especially in a moment like this, when there's too many things going on. This is a great recipe to bring some excitement to your life. Thank you again. Have a great weekend. And I hope to see you more on our programs. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. It's a pleasure to be with you. Take care.